This podcast is brought to you by Pencil Pay. If you're a wholesaler or manufacturer, use Pencil to digitize and automate your credit applications, your billing, and your trading terms. Welcome to Product Hub, the podcast where we interview people that have created businesses, created products, and created jobs. You can find us by going to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and typing in Product Hub. I'm Tim Dimitriou, and today we talk to Peter Tan. He's the owner and director of BKK, who are one of Sydney's largest Asian food product distributors. Peter's journey from medical student to cardiovascular researcher to business owner is one of change. We talk about implementation of new systems and why customer service is the thing that helped his business sail through a really turbulent time. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey guys, this morning we've got Peter Tan. So Peter Tan is from BKK Distribution. Now, Peter's a really interesting one. Um, I've been doing some research this morning and yesterday on Peter, and um, there's some really, really interesting topics that I want to cover off, but I'll let him introduce himself and tell you a little bit about the, his business, and we can go from there. Take, Peter, take it away. Welcome. Sure. Uh, thank you very much. It's very nice to be here. Um, so my name is Peter Tan. Um, I'm my uh, uh, position at um, the company BKK Australia is a director, although I have to say it's more to do with operations, processes and systems than, than anything else. Um, BKK Australia is an important distribution company uh, specialising in Asian foods. Uh, we were the first Australian company to bring in Thai jasmine rice and our flagship uh, rice brand is uh, Lion Brand Jasmine Rice, which you can find in your Asian groceries. Um, since, since that time that BKK has been established, we've expanded the, the product line to include uh, sauces, uh, coconut milk, curry paste, basically everything you find in your um, traditional Asian grocery. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit about the company, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So look, how, how I was, how I'm keen to kick off today, um, I'm keen to just learn about your journey to here. Now, yeah. I, had a, I had a little look on your LinkedIn and um, I understand that you, you're, you're actually a doctor. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so, um, well. so, so we'll cover off the, the shift from, from, you know, from, from doctor to wholesaler. Um, but, but I'm really interested to know, um, you know, you're obviously a smart, smart cookie growing up and you've gone and done, you, you've gone and done a bachelor of medicine. So can you, can you tell me about that? So I'll, I'll just, uh, so I am a doctor, but not, not specifically, uh, a medical doctor. Yep. I, I studied a Bachelor of Medical Science, which uh, qualified me to become a scientist. Yep. And I did a postgraduate degree, um, uh, specializing in cardiovascular uh, physiology. Um, and, and that's what grants me the doctor title. So, and- so it's a doctorate. Uh, yeah, doctorate. Yeah, yep, yeah. Cool. But but people ask me medical questions all the time. They're like, they show me something, and they're like, "Oh, what's this?" And I'll, I'll be like, "I'm not a medical doctor, you know. It's just it's doctorate of science, you know." And then and they 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 kind of nod, and then they they go, oh, "Yeah, but what is it? Can you do it? Uh, how do you fix it?" I'm like, oh, "Yeah, you you got to go see somebody else, you know." <laughs> I just, I just, you can just tell them to Google it. Yeah, Google. It. <laughs> yeah, work it out. <laughs> cool. So, um, so and, and then you went and did research for four years. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, Can after, you tell me about that? Yeah. So after my after my um, PhD, which was um, I had a blast during my PhD. Um, I did a postdoctorate in Singapore at the Institute of Bioengineering and Nanotechnology uh, for a year. Then I came came back to Sydney and uh, I did a, a postdoctorate with the Victor Chang Cardiac uh, Research Institute. Um, so I was working on uh, heart research, um, potassium channels and how it how it affects a condition called sudden sudden cardiac death, mm-hmm. uh, which is a genetic condition where um, I don't know if you've Googled some YouTube videos, but sometimes you see like a soccer player just on the field, just suddenly just f- fall over. And, and mm-hmm. that's like a, like a heart attack, you know? Um, and that was the condition that I was, I was looking at. Um, Interesting. During, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty neat at the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, um, and then you go and 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 decide you're going to hop into into BKK. And can you can you explain that transition? So, um, explain kind of how you you know how obviously you're you're connected, perhaps by a family or something like that. But can you explain um, how that transition actually was? Oh, sure. Uh, so BKK is owned by my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, uh, in my science science career, I was very good at experiments and data data analysis and and things like that. Uh, however, the further I progressed in my career, the more I realized that. Um, to succeed as a scientist, especially towards the higher level, you needed to be more um, someone who could speculate a lot more and also um, someone who can sell the ideas on a grander scale. Whereas I've always been like, kind of just like one one foot in front of the other. Uh, it only means this much. So I never sold my ideas on a... Um, uh like you know you know they would they would say so what does this mean will this solve all the world problem world's problems and some people will say yeah it will it will solve that and uh, i would be no it's just kind of interesting you know <laughs> so yes yeah, so, um, so you focused heavily on the what the data told you as opposed to what you wanted the data to say yeah exactly but but if you want to get grant funding if you want to get um uh further on and sort of uh uh lead a research team and things like that you ha- you have to be a bit more visionary than than i yeah. was okay but what i enjoyed about being a scientist was uh locking myself in a dark room and experimenting yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah that's what I, I i loved it you know i love that side of it and uh, uh i still do you know like when i when i can just focus th- on things on myself but uh but yeah, I, I realized that uh, further on, if you want to excel to to the highest levels, then uh, you had to do something which I was not naturally gifted at. Okay. Yeah. And so the transition to the, the wholesale business was um, I, I felt I wanted to do something a bit more tangible. Mm-hmm. And especially because my family owned, owned the business, I thought, uh, I'll see what I, uh, I can help out, see what I can do. And, and, um, and then, uh, yeah, I just started from there a bit daunting. Cause I had no idea what I was doing when I had you, had you worked in the business previously? I, I, um, in most family businesses, 
um, people do that. But I'm just having a look at your background. There's probably not a great deal of time for to work in the family business as well as doing, um, you know, <laughs> a, a bachelor of medical science and a and a and a, a postgraduate doctorate and all the rest of it. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I I. I, I did not uh, work in the company in any sort of real capacity. We we went to Thailand a few times to meet with suppliers, uh, but that was more like fun yep. family holiday <laughs> than anything else. Uh, yeah, so sure. so yeah, there wasn't. Uh, I've never I never had anything to do with the business uh, during my studies or or things like that. And what was the what was the first thing that you noticed when you walked into the business for the first you know for the first time properly um, when you when when you're being paid to to kind of have a good look at the business and and um, you know and make it better? Uh, well, I I noticed that things were run in a very sort of uh, pen and paper fashion, uh, uh, especially uh, with the warehouse. Everything was picked um, without barcoding or um rf guns or anything like that everything was just oh you print a pack slip print a pick slip and then uh our warehouse guys would go and uh pick according to what's printed on a piece of paper which and so everything was done off memory uh no no location picking or or anything like that so it's what i noticed like it was when I first came to the business, the inventory was quite messy. Yeah, it's pretty hard to scale a business like that when when there's no um when there's no you know real processes and hire new staff and if you hire new staff they obviously don't know how everyone else works straight away and, and all that type of thing. Yeah, um, especially if we wanted new, especially warehouse guys, because not the warehouse guys needed uh, a new a new person the. The training required to get them up to speed was was a matter of months instead of weeks, you know, because mm. they they had to they had to know each product because when it's printed they they needed to know exactly which which one it is, and you can imagine they they made mistakes all the time. So and not to mention the fact that our products cover like um, Thai goods, Vietnamese goods, Indonesian goods, uh, and Chinese Chinese packaging and things like that. Uh, not everybody's fluent in all those languages. <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to pick, you know, when 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 you've got all those all those options in front of you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So also a lot of it was being done by memory, obviously. Yeah. Just, just to, like by almost by label. Yeah. Memory, label, and um, experience. Our most experienced guys knew this customer always likes this brand. Or, or, or so that like the really experienced guys was super fast uh, mm -hmm. that they could work off memory. They knew all the packaging and, and things like that. But as you said, if you got a new guy in there, it would take them a long time to, to be able to be, um, to achieve any competency, you know? Yeah. And um, I'd imagine that um, the type of business that you were going into, your ability to analyze data and therefore be able to calculate margins on everything and, and do all that kind of thing. I would imagine that would have come in, in real handy when you're analyzing what products, how much, and all the rest of it. I, I think, uh, um, so what transitioned over from my, my science career was, uh, as, as I mentioned to you, I was really obsessed with data. And so, especially with our computer systems, I underwent a huge cleanup of, of everything. When I first, 
when I first came, there was no dimension data. There was no um, barcode data. Uh, there was basically just the name of the product and the unit. And that, that was it. So over, over the last couple of years, I finally got it into, a, I finally got all the data into a position where um, it, it was suitable so that uh, uh, um, we're not overpacking where our trucks uh, get the correct uh, pallet weights and, and things like that. So that all that sort of obsessive need for detail to be consistent uh, actually uh, pays off tangibly in the in the business and and the type of business that you're you're running it really does need to be a you know a, a high volume scale business doesn't it definitely I'd, I'd imagine the margins are not the margins are not epic no no uh especially especially our main business is rice so you got a very heavy product with uh which is not it's not that expensive, you know. So that's definitely something that we have to uh, get get right, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, now that we're on that topic, these type of businesses, they're as much a. I find that um, the high volume distribution businesses are as much a matter of um, you being good with logistics and warehousing, and you know, and. Um, and and kind of speed of delivery and all that type of thing it's as much of a logistical operation as it is a um, a product driven operation would you would you agree with that uh, i'd absolutely agree with that i think um especially with the logistics if we can streamline the process make it more efficient uh get it to the customers uh on time and when they expect it uh those things are, are crucially important in the in the high volume high volume business i think um uh, i think we're we're lucky because our company um because it's been running for such a long time um uh what has really helped even with the inefficiencies that we experienced earlier um our, our customers are very loyal to to the company um and it's something that the company prides itself on is the the customer service level and also the expertise that they have in terms of um, the food products and the brands. Uh, the it's our staff which who know their stuff, that and the customer relationship, which is very important in this in this regard. And what do you guys do over and above, say, the next distributor that um, that might separate you from the pack as far as the extra level of service. Obviously you guys have been going for 40 years, I believe since 1980, yes. um, 42 years. And that's, yeah. that's incredible for any business. And the fact that it's still in your family and, and all the rest of it is awesome. Um, obviously you're doing something right. What is the, what, what do you guys do in terms of servicing the customers that makes them so sticky? Uh, <laughs> I think so. So the company was established a, a very long time ago. Um, I think 1980, and um, at the time, um, uh, because it's it was established in Western Sydney, it serviced the communities out there, like um, around Cabramatta, uh, yep. Fair, Fairfield area. So, so definitely, there's a huge connection with the Vietnamese. Uh, community and well well actually the the core of the company is, is that it's a Thai company and especially with the with the Thai community so um, what really separates us from a distributor who doesn't 
know too much about the the products. They might get the same products, but they don't have the same connection to the community and culture that our staff have because our staff have been there. They live live in the in the same areas. So they're they're very connected to to the people that they sell to. Um, is that the same area? Is that the same area where um, you guys have got a new new member of uh, a new member of parliament? I believe. Is that the is that is that that area? Um, the uh, I'll have to grab her name. The um, uh, she's a new lady. She used to be the mayor of that of that of that area, and I believe she's um, she's become a new member of parliament. I'm not sure if it's in that area, but um, uh, I think it might be a different area. But okay. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, the the whole the whole politics at the moment has been quite a whirlwind. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. I, I think I think the media can hopefully stop all this all their crap now. Um. <laughs> um so um so that's yeah that's great so the um <clears throat> in terms of scaling your business um when you went into the business um what level were you guys at i mean in terms of um i guess you know, maybe number of customers or what's a metric you feel comfortable sharing because I'd, lo- I'd love to understand um kind of when you entered the business where was it and then you know where is it today kind of thing uh well i i'd say that um at the time um we were at the time that I came in, the business had, uh, it was doing pretty well, but I think we'd reached sort of like the capacity of um, what we were capable of because, um, you know, the warehouse was overflowing. We were always rushing around to service customers and and things like that. Um, So uh, I can't, really think of a metric off off the top of my head to was that was that due to um was that due to geographical um growth or like did you focus on a certain area or was it just resource of of space and being being able to scale yeah just just space because our main uh so we have our main warehouse in sydney and then we have a smaller warehouse in melbourne but um in terms of our um in in terms of our capacity uh, to, uh, yeah, we're always struggling for space in, a, in, in the old warehouse. Uh, we moved during the pandemic actually to a new, new location, uh, which, which has been great, but our new location only has a little bit more capacity and they've already used it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're, 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 we're thinking of, um, uh, getting uh, getting more space, but we we just got to um, work out the logistics of that. Um, okay. So so I would say that um, it was probably more held back by our operations, uh, and I would also say that um, because the business had been run the same way um, for many many years, uh, I think uh, everything was optimized to its highest point at that time. But there was no change or innovation in our processes. Uh, even our uh, communications with our customers wasn't wasn't being uh, revamped or or anything like that. It was basically uh, this is the way that they had done it for many years. It was working well. Uh, why mess with it? You know. So, but I think so. It was working as best as it could. Uh-huh. And and so we had sort of reached re- reached a plateau at that point. And then seven years into you working there, um, the pandemic hits. 
yeah. and everything everything gets thrown into turmoil. Yeah. Can you run me through your initial reaction when it all happened and when it all went down? And yeah. then, um, then if you can run me through what became your core focus at that point? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so, so the pandemic was a, a crazy time. Um, prior to the pandemic, I was working on uh, getting a, a sort of modernized warehouse management system into into place, and I had I had been working on it for for ages, at least at least three years in terms of like the uh, working out and testing testing how it would work. Um, probably even longer than that if you take into account research and um, hunting for a good supplier and and things like that. But um, so I had planned for the implementation of the new uh, new system and and I planned it for and timed it exactly at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> so so when the pandemic hit, we we experienced um uh i think i think you remember tim that um uh there was um the buying frenzy and everybody everybody bought out pasta and tomato canned tomatoes and and cleared out the supermarket shelves and woolworths and coles couldn't keep up with the, the demand but out in our our area um it was it was rice and so uh, our, our warehouse was cleared out of rice and I'd never, I'd never seen it so empty before, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was nuts. And, uh, and because it was a scary time, um, my planned implementation of the management system, uh, the WMS, uh, everybody was saying, Oh, don't go, don't go ahead with it. Don't, don't do it because we don't know what's going to happen. And, um, but I, I decided that we should just push on, push on. Uh, I talked to the warehouse manager as well. And, and we decided, no, we, we really should push on with this because it's kind of of the perfect time for it, right? You've got a, you've got depleted stock levels because everyone buy everything. So doing, (laughs) doing a stock take and take half the time you'd hope. And, uh, and you might've gotten, you know, after the initial buying craziness, you might've gotten, um, uh, slightly less busy potentially, or maybe not. Well, well, we got after, after the craziness, that's exactly what happened because, um, the, um, customers would, would decide, oh, they're not buying rice. So they wouldn't buy other stuff. So, so yeah, like, um, things, uh, things got a little quiet on the sales after the initial spike. And then, um, and then, as you said, the warehouse was completely cleared out. We we didn't have to do a massive stock take like we would have we would have had to um, uh, if if it didn't happen. So yeah, when we talked about it, it made more sense. But uh, you know, people are very scared of change. And, oh yeah, and and uh, to put this warehouse management system, I, I think it was the biggest change in the company for for very many years and so people who have worked there were were very reluctant to adopt they would have been reluctant to adopt it anyway but they were very reluctant to adopt it um during the pandemic you know and what would be the average age of the person working there i would say i would 
uh, I'm polite. I don't ask them directly, <laughs> but uh, uh, I would I would say uh, in in your fifties. You okay. Know. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so you've got that extra extra bit of um, extra bit of um, bit of a challenge just due to the you know due to the ability to pick up new systems and all the rest of it. We know that we know that you know sometimes it, it takes a little bit longer, but often 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 people that um, are a little bit older actually want that change because they've, they've they're, they're a bit they're under the pump so they actually want to want to shift but yeah. it's all it's all about how it's deployed though right uh it's it, it's right uh so i i i definitely think i was a bit too uh black and white about some things i i think i could have been a bit more flexible in my implementation and make it a bit less scary f- uh for them but um definitely uh sort of like the 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 older people are, the more they want to stay with this um, same same method. Uh, so, uh, and how did you go about? How did you go about actually deploying and implementing with people? Um, was there a you know? I, I think I think that you went with um, with uh, Deer Systems in the end. Is that right? Oh uh, no, I, I went with a different uh, WMS. Okay, uh, yeah. I won't mention the name because there's some. Um, some stickiness around that okay. uh, uh but but uh yeah I, I went with a fairly established wms yeah. yep and then when you went and deployed that wms what was the you know how did you get people to buy in because i mean this this um this this podcast is as much a business podcast as anything else and um the the listeners are you know uh, i guess people like yourself as well who who you know own and run these businesses and some of them will need be needed to be making updates in their businesses along the way yeah, what, was, sure. what were the things that worked for you and what were the things that didn't work for you uh i i tried to so so my met because i i enjoy working on things um in a solitary way i prepared in like documentation explaining everything and had it like a thick manual uh, for people to refer to and nobody read it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so now i've learned over time um uh so in the in the initial period, especially when people were scared, that that approach did not did not work. So uh, definitely, um, as the as as we went along with um, coping with the implementation and the processes afterwards, uh, I think it definitely helped when I would just approach people, explain explain to people how things would work. So definitely, the face to face interaction uh worked a lot better than just just slapping a big manual on their, on their for sure. desk <laughs> so did you did you so i mean obviously being in the business for seven years prior to that you you probably knew a lot of the workflows and all that type of thing is that is that pretty right yeah i was uh i was so um uh, in the in the in the um company um our enterprise resource uh, program ERP. Um, um, a lot of a lot of the people knew how it worked day to day, like putting in orders, invoices, etc. Uh, but nobody understood understood the sort of background workings of it uh, very very well. So definitely when I when I first came in, I thought uh, that's that's where we're kind of lacking. And so I'm I'm now the ERP guy as well uh-huh. Uh-huh. so if there's a there's an issue with the erp they 
they always come to me. And actually, um, one of the difficulties we had with the um, warehouse system was that we couldn't find find anybody to um, integrate the uh, to actually uh, to actually do the implementation. Yeah, to do the integration between the the because the soft the warehouse system guys they knew how their their system worked. The ERP guys knew how their system worked, but there wasn't a good um, integration specialist between the two. Really, that's that's uh, yeah, it's um, that's a, that's a shame. It's usually well, it's usually the most important part. <laughs> yeah. So so what what ended up happening? We we tried with with a group that was suggested by the ERP um, people, but we were getting nowhere with it. And it was dragging on so, so much. And then eventually I, I, I said to, to my um, IT guys, look, it's just files going up and down. There's, especially our ERP is not one of those high-end, like very complicated ones. So it's just, it's just CSV files going, uh-huh. going back and forth. Uh, surely we can do this ourselves and then they said well we can do it but someone has to work out all the queries and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i said uh i think i can do that you know so 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 we we developed the integration in-house actually which was which was another um (laughs) it was another thing to another obstacle to get over but um that's 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 what we ended up doing and and you learned you learned how to how to do all the coding and all the rest of it yourself not not the coding. I'm I'm more a, a SQL query yeah, guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But but even then, like I'm I'm I like I don't know the coding very well. I just know how to get things done. <laughs> so you so you guys got like a, a like a centralized FTP server or something like that where all the data goes through. Is that kind of how it works? Uh, that that has to be talked to my IT. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Okay. Yeah. So so. So you finally connected everything up, and then um, d- when you went out to to try and deploy it with the warehouse guys, would you involve them in the decision making, or because you knew the processes, you kind of said, "All right, well, based on what I know, this is how we implement." Or did you take feedback from the guys? Uh, I at the time of the implementation, because there was so much uh, uh, going on, we we did meet with like the leading hands and and supervisors to show them how how things would work. Uh, of course, um, as I mentioned to you, uh, a lot of their a lot of their feedback was um, uh, being scared and and not having very much confidence in in the system. So uh, definitely our, our WMS guys, um, uh, they, they came in, they showed and had meetings and, and things like that. But I would say that overall, uh, because they're so used to the old way, um, their feedback, we, we, we kind of had to listen to it a little bit, but not, yeah. not really take it too seriously because a lot of it, a lot of the feedback was, uh, we're, we're this type of company. It's never going to work. Um, yep. yeah. Do, do, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. You can, you can take feedback to a, to a certain point, but mm-hmm. if the feedback is just, just, this won't work, this won't work, this won't work. 
you won't yeah. get anywhere. So you have to, that's when you have to um, shift the way that you go about it and become a, a slightly more authoritarian about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I think, I think it was um, uh, because I've never done anything like this before. So for me, it was, um, it was very daunting and kind of scary. Um, so, so I had a little bit of a bulldozer approach <laughs> to it, yeah. which, um, which uh, it ended up, we ended up pushing through the obstacles and, and things like that. Now, now I've done it. I've done it. Like, I, I think I, I know how to go about it in a, in a different way, but um, I think, I think overall it was very successful. Yeah. yeah. Good. And then the business, how it looks today is obviously vastly different than when you found it, which is great. It's improved and you've got a level of automation that you didn't have before, but then you get hit with supply chain problems <laughs> coming out. So we know that the last, you know, last two and a half years, and especially now we're finding it's, it's, it's probably the hardest time right now for any businesses, especially the wholesale um, in the wholesale area, because the, the wholesale inflation is much greater than the, than what the consumer inflation is at the moment. Um, how have you guys dealt with the supply chain issues and the inflation? Uh, the supply chain issues are, are a problem uh, because um, especially, especially for demand, demand for products is spiking and also um, the supply from the suppliers is also um, getting held, held up in terms of freight and, and um, transportation and, and things like that. Uh, so all of that has been, it's been very hard to predict and so we we end up with oversupply or undersupply um, a bit for the last for the last year or so. Like um, even even th so, the pandemic affected things which um, affected the supply supply side, and of, of course, um, customers demanding products in a unpredictable way. Mm. Um, but even even things like when there was heavy rain uh, with the flooding floodings in um queensland at the t at the time sydney had a like a huge dump of rain and our, our, our customers i was there i was there that weekend oh, when, were you? <laughs> yeah i was and uh yeah. and i think one of the i think the bridge from manly to manly to um to to sydney flooded or something something like that and it was just it was it was it was deluge oh it was it was it was craziness and and so so even even something like that, which ran uh, like it went for two weeks, but we didn't sell anything for two weeks because nobody wanted to buy. Like nobody was going out, no one was buying, so the supermarkets wouldn't buy anything either. So, so we ended up with like a massive oversupply in a in our in our warehouse, and then um, yeah, just just those unpredictable things uh, have has been a challenge for 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 the last last two years you know yeah uh in terms in terms of it all we're still sort of big we're we're still coping with it it's it's not it, it hasn't been easy because it hasn't been um predictable yeah for sure and what you talk about is you know too many dollars so too much demand chasing too few goods which is what creates inflation? That's yeah, the whole, yeah, exactly. the whole, the whole, uh, the exact definition is um, is obviously you know too many too many dollars chasing too few goods. So, um, you know they saying it's they saying it's been between five and six percent. I don't believe that. 
I think the wholesale inflation rate is probably more like 10 or 11 percent. Um, look, what have you noticed around price increases from your suppliers? Has there been a, a significant shift upwards or? Uh, there's definitely been a significant uh, shift upwards, especially when we're importing our freight. Our freight has increased uh, a huge amount. Um, uh, I don't know the exact figures and I don't track it because the purchasing uh, department takes takes care of that. Yeah. But definitely, I, I've looked at some of the costings and it's, it's definitely it's, it's definitely gone up. And, and I hear the freight's gone up, you know, by you know, two or 300% um, up to what I think I, the last conversation I had around freight was about 15,000 a, um, a container, which is, you know, that's basically triple what it was prior. Is that, is that consistent with what you're saying? Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's pretty consistent. With wow. That's, that's it's, amazing. It's, it's pretty crazy. Like, um, yeah. Uh, uh, when you look at the pricing it is, yeah, you can see why everything is going up in the, of course. in the supermarket and things like that, you know. Yeah, but it's yeah. I mean, it's hard. A lot of the people, the the end buyer, the end user of the products, often doesn't understand the supply chain. So for them, um, for them, it kind of um, it's a it's a big it's a big surprise and a big shift in the way they've got to think about it because there are extra costs the whole way through, and there's fuel has gone up, so the 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 last mile costs have gone right up as well. Yeah. The, the the customer just says well, why is this jumping up in price so much like they they just they just think the like either the supermarket or restaurant or whatever is just just trying to uh, trying to make make more money off them but yeah. if you if you trace it back because yeah your end customer is not going to think about oh it it this product was imported then it was uh went to a wholesaler then distributed then went and then got onto a truck to a to a restaurant. They just or a supermarket. They just they just want want their goods, right? And they they see a price increase, and they 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 think that oh, someone's ripping me off somewhere, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And have and have have your customers been been the you know the supermarkets and the um, supermarkets and 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 the the smaller stores have they been you know relatively understanding with with price hikes and that type of thing? Yeah, they've been pretty good. I'd That's say good. Uh, uh, I'd say it goes to show our um, customer relationships are, are very good in the in the business. Um, I, I see I see the customer relationship as um, the core strength of the business, um, and um, as we said, our our interactions with them is is what's um, held up. You know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to cover off was. Um, can you tell me a little, just have you guys got anything planned for, for the next, you know, for the next little bit? Is there anything that you guys are going to be doing differently around expansions and that type of thing? Or is, or is, or is, or is, or is the current idea to, to kind of see this little, little, little uh, inflation and, and supply chain period through? Uh, at the moment, uh, because it's been so turbulent, uh, we've spent the last, um, uh, it's funny because we've improved the business over over the last two years, uh, two three years, uh, but it it always felt like we were just keeping our heads above water. Uh -huh. So, uh, and it, I think because of the pandemic, it pushed us to improve things and uh, make make things better. Uh, so, at the moment, it's um, it's still we're still dealing with some turbulence in terms of that. So, but um, in terms of our plans for the future, um, I I want to make our customer experience a lot better. Um, uh, I feel like um, there's definite improvements that we can make um, with the business. 
uh, we're kind of for, uh, a bit behind in terms of digital marketing and communications and and things like that. Uh, so that's something that I I really want to um, improve improve on. Uh, I'm I'm I those those sort of things I think are really important and uh, to foster the relationship with with the customers. Uh, yes. uh, yeah, you know some things like uh, uh, and this is this is the long future as well. I I want to bring the expertise of the company to 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 reach out to much more people because uh, at the moment, the company we sell to Asian groceries. um, But when I, when I go to Asian groceries, there's only, there's only Asian people in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Like um, you don't see uh, more Westerners or, you you know, in the Asian groceries. And I can understand it too, because like I didn't shop in there until like I was in my, in my twenties. And when you first go into Asian grocery, it is intimidating. There's so much stuff, and you're like, "Why? Yeah. Why are there 200 sources? Like, what? Are, what do? <laughs> what do you use it for? What? Are, what? <laughs> why? Why would you choose this one over that one? You know? Or so. So I, I feel like um, a lot could be done to show people um, how to use products, how to how to do how to go about these things. And um, I'd, re- I'd really like to improve that sort of um, uh, education of, uh, of people and expose them to what, what they can, what they can purchase, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I was, I was about to say that around the, the actual product education is the, that would, that's the daunting thing for people. I don't think the daunting thing is walking into an Asian grocer. I mean, I've, you know, I shop at an, I shop at a, at a local Asian grocer if I want to yeah. get certain items, right? I don't yeah. think that's a, I don't think that's a, that's a concern for people. It's the, the lack of product knowledge is probably the concern. So the, um, it'd be interesting around the, you know, creating a starter pack for people and that type of thing. You know, th- are, these are the staples that you should have to be able to, you know, produce X amount of Asian dishes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it is probably about, yeah, it's a lack of education around what goes with what. Yeah, so so I think that's that's really important, and I mean down the line, I'd like to do more things <sighs> like uh, I mean your podcast is a great great example of this. Like you're interviewing people, you're sharing the knowledge that that stuff is great. I, I'd like to do I'd like to do something similar in the in the same vein, or using um, either either podcasts or YouTube or or website. Actually. Um, uh so um what i use for um product education is um the line brand um rice website mm-hmm. so if you if you jump onto there there's a lot of articles about certain things and um, what's the what's the url for that uh lionbrand.com.au there you go it's a nice easy one yeah um, <laughs> yeah be, it, like with the with the type of thing that you do it'd be interesting to to do a weekly cooking show or something where you're actually cooking dishes using the products you know that's yeah. uh, that type of stuff is um you know i think people learn by seeing seeing things done as opposed to going and reading stuff i think people are inherently lazy when it comes to reading articles <laughs> so true. um so seeing it done on video would tend to tend to be the way to go these days but um but mate, really appreciate your time today. That was a really good chat. Um, it's you know, fantastic to learn about someone's someone's past as well as what they're doing today. So um, really appreciate your time. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Tim. This was a blast. <laughs> awesome. Cheers. Um, guys, 
Peter Tan from BKK. You can check them out online. What's the URL for, for BKK? Uh, BKKAustralia.com.au. Yep. And then you've got lionbrand.com.au. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into Product Hub. This episode was brought to you by PencilPay, the world's fastest credit application and payment software for product sellers and their wholesale customers. If you sell products on payment terms, check us out at www.pencilpay.com and start getting paid on time today. I'm your host, Tim Dimitriou. See you next time.